Christianity under attack in Africa. Tens of thousands are killed as Islamist terrorist groups find safe havens in the lawless deserts and remote towns of Africa. Kidnappings, beheadings, murder, shattering the lives of communities and leaving pain and death in their wake. What exactly is happening? Hello and welcome to this week's African Now show. We're coming to you from Midrand, South Africa. I'm in the first Russian Orthodox Church to be established in Sub-Saharan Africa. It is one of two on the continent. The other is in Cairo. At a time when the Russian Orthodox Church in Ukraine is under assault, this week's program explores the plight of Christians and Christianity in Africa. Moscow has accused Ukraine of illegally attacking the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. I know for a fact that the South African Council of Churches have had extensive conversations with all the parties involved. All the parties. Um, but you know, if I decide that you are my enemy and you represent the devil, it's going to be very difficult to shift you. And so I, I want to challenge the church and say that is exactly where your agenda is. The work of opening up dialogue between Russia and America for starters that disables the killing of people, the torturesome agony that we see on our television screens, both in Russia and there are no winners in war. And what has happened? Where is the voice that says, no, no. What's happened to the Greek Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox churches? Are they just complicit in whichever side or whichever country they're in? Or is there a perception that in actual fact, the church sanctifies the violence? And it's done that before. Across Africa, there are a number of countries where Christians are finding it extremely difficult to practice their faith. The most common reason is Islamist violence in countries such as Nigeria, Burkina Faso and Sudan. In these communities, Christians face serious restrictions on their ability to practice their faith freely and it is not uncommon for them to be arrested and detained without explanation. The situation is most pressing in Nigeria, where priests continue to be kidnapped and often killed, young women stoned to death and set alight. Let's cross now to Nigeria. Christians are no longer safe because Christians are the target of persecutions, either by Boko Haram, by kidnappers, by bandits, and many other uh, forces that are in operation in Nigeria today. So I can no longer say that Christians are safe physically, but spiritually Christians are safe. Jesus clearly told us, uh, told us that, you know, uh, people who persecute Christians, that is his followers because they have also hated him. So time is coming when everybody who kills Christian will think that he's performing religious services. So this is behind what is happening in Nigeria today because people are thinking that they are doing service to God. Unfortunately, they don't know this God that they are serving. That is why in many places today in Nigeria, most especially in Borno, 
Christians have become number one target in all these forms of attack. Christians are number one target. And most especially when it comes to Christians, the pastors are at the forefront. A lot of pastors have been killed simply because they belong to Christ, simply because of their religion. And so many members also have been killed, displaced, properties, you know, displaced. And this is happening on daily basis, even on, on the high roads. You know, they will stop uh, the, the, the cars on the road and they will pull out all the Christians, allowing other people to go safe. Why are they doing this? Is because in so many uh, places, you know, that uh, Christians have witnessed attack, the attack will occur. They will finish all what they want to do before you see the presence of the government, that is the soldiers. So to some extent, we can say, you know, government is doing its best, but when it comes to protecting Christianity in Nigeria, we cannot say government have hands in it, but if the government is not active, proactive, in doing her own services. We cannot uh, say that government does not have hand in it. These people will plan their attack, they will launch their attack before, after everything has been done, before you see the presence of the armies. And it happens everywhere, in Kaduna, in Jos, in many places. And why is it that the, uh, when they come to launch their attack, they will not, they will skip, you know, other fields, other, other fields. Why are they targeting Christianity. So that is what we do not understand from the government side. You know, and this is happening not only in Nigeria, even in Africa. So I want to believe that it is because of this name, Jesus Christ. Even in terms of employment, you will see uh, the government is not giving just attention. The government is biased. It is happening all over the world. The uh, government of Africa is to unite, most especially the sub-Saharan Africa, you know, uh, West African at large, they need to come together and see how they can secure, you know, this region. They need to come together and see it as an enemy of progress of Africa. That's why Africa is not developing. Africa is not moving forward. Africa is going down, 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 down. So unless we realize that we are fighting an, a common enemy that is affecting our economic, our social, economic, our political, and every sector of our life, we will never overcome these challenges. So I call on the African government to come together and unite, and Christians to stand firm in the face of persecution. Persecution is not new. It didn't, it didn't start today. It started even before Jesus came, and it continues until Jesus comes. And in the East, it's much the same. One of the world's oldest churches in Ethiopia, the Tawahedo Church, appears to have resolved a month-long schism that sparked deadly clashes after a rival synod was formed. But divisions remain that risk tearing the institution and the country apart.
in order to explain the reason behind the challenges of Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahedo Church, so uh, there are three main pointers. The first one is, you know, as we know, Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahedo Church keeping the socio-cultural uh, phrase in Ethiopia uh, and in other uh, in, in other countries, uh, in foreign countries also, because you know, Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahedo Church um, um, is found in different uh, Western um, uh, and other African countries. So uh, this is the one thing, uh, or the reason, uh, be, the first reason behind um, uh, the challenge. And the second one is the uh, territorial boundary. As we know, the Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahedo Church keeps um, the Ethiopian territories um, related with the peoples and related with uh, the social um, the social perspective. So uh, this is the second thing. Um, and the third thing, or the main, the, the main thing that uh, makes the challenge is, um, um, you know, the, 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 the doctrine, also the literature of Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahado uh, Church is, you know, anti-Western. Uh, mainly it's not related with the Western culture. So um, uh, that is the third challenge. So these challenges uh, leads us, um, uh, leads at a problem uh, to Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahado Church, uh, directly or indirectly within the government and within other, you know, uh, foreign, foreign, um, uh, foreign challenges. So I think these are the three uh, main uh, problems. The Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahado Church has been experiencing great suffering since the Italian invasion. The church is facing systematic and structural attacks due to its protection of the people of Ethiopia from Western cultural invasion. Further, the church has been uniting the people and enabling its followers to stand firmly for the territorial integrity of the country. The then threat to the church is an extension of the pressure on Orthodox Christians around the world. Busrat Mullasa, Arati, Addis Ababa. Elsewhere on the continent, in Mozambique, the persecution of Christians is most severe in the northern Cabo Delgado province. About 100 kilometers away on the banks of the Zambezi River is a centuries-old church in Baroma. We traveled to the church to meet Bishop Diamantino, who leads a community of three million Christians in the Mozambican province of Tet. This is the Baroma Church on the banks of the Zambezi River in northern Mozambique in a province called Tet. It was built 138 years ago, and in that time it's run a hospital, a hostel. It currently runs a school and has daily and weekly services, and also looks after a nearby community. Bishop, um, thank you so much to talk to us. Please tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from, and how did you land up here in Tet? I have been a missionary for 25 years in Mozambique and have worked in several dioceses in this country, in the north, in Niasa, in the center, in Yamban, in the south, in Maputo, and four years ago, in 2019, Pope Francis appointed me bishop of the Diocese of Tet. I arrived as bishop, and I am a missionary, as before, with increased responsibilities, but always with the great desire to serve these people and its church. What was the situation like here four years ago when you came, and what has been the most important things for you to focus on? When I arrived in Tet in 2019, the priority I had to face 
is placing missionaries in various stations that have been without missionaries for many years, some more than 50 years. During the colonial war between Portugal and the resistance who fought the colonial government, the missionaries had to leave their missions. After independence, the political regime, which was not very fond of the church, rather, on the contrary, they saw in the church a competition and an opposition, so the missionaries could not return. I was here at the church a year ago, and in, from there to now, so much has changed. What are you doing to the church, and is the community growing? I found several missions in ruins, destroyed by abandonment, neglect, and also by war. And this Baroma mission is a historic mission. It is the oldest of the Diocese of Tet, and one of the oldest and most important in Mozambique, for its history, for the contribution it has made to evangelization, and, above all, to the promotion of the Mozambican man. Here was a very important educational center, which has formed generations and generations of young people from 1884 to the present. It has trained young people from all over central Mozambique, not only from the province of Tet, but also from the province of Manica, the province of Sofala, and Zambezia. It feels to some extent that we are in the middle of nowhere. So why was this place chosen as the place to build a church, and why is it important to have a community particularly at this point. The reason for Baroma's choice to build this mission is because the Zambezi River at the time was the gateway to the African continent. From the coast of the Indian Ocean to the interior of Africa, this river runs through Zimbabwe, Zambia and Angola. So it was a place of passage and facilitated. At that time, there was no car transport. Therefore, the transport was across the river, by boat. This mission was born from children who were rescued. The missionaries themselves bought children that were to be sold during that time in Zimbabwe and Zambia. They rescued the children and brought them here. They educated them, nurtured them, and they started families here. This was an effort of the missionaries to combat slavery, to promote the Ngungu population who lived here around Tet and the Zambezi River. Bishop, how do you feel about the future of Christianity in Africa? We receive reports almost on a daily basis of Christian communities being attacked in Nigeria and in other countries in Africa. Are you worried about the future of Christianity in Africa? I think the challenges are great. What we are witnessing in sub-Saharan West Africa is the advance of Islam, which has greatly affected Christian communities in Cote d'Ivoire, Burkina Faso, Mali, Nigeria, and the Central African Republic, and also in Cameroon. In fact, in recent years, the Islamic offensive, or so-called Islamic, towards non-Islamic communities has been of great aggressiveness. In fact, in recent years, the Islamic offensive, or so-called Islamic, towards non-Islamic communities has been of great effectiveness, with abductions, deaths, and this, in fact, has hindered the presence of the Church 
From East Africa, we have seen the same thing, although the phenomenon is perhaps not so serious. But from Somalia, Kenya, Tanzania and Mozambique, there has been radicalization. However, I think that, whether in Kenya or Tanzania, the government has been able to mobilize, to confront this Islamic advance, the advance of Islamic fundamentalism. And what about Europe? How do you see the future of Christianity in Europe? Is that something that worries you? The church in Europe will be more and more a minority church. It will not be of the masses, as in the past, of tradition. It will be a church that is purifying, a minority, but I think of people more convinced of their own faith and who will be witnesses of the gospel in a very difficult context due to secularization and the whole culture, which often goes against the values of the gospel, while in Africa, in fact, the tendency is to grow. We have a young church, but we know that the winds of secularism and other ideologies will arrive here, so we must also prepare new generations to have a more enlightened faith. You mentioned earlier Islamic fundamentalism. Do you think we're looking at a clash of faiths, or is it more about politics? In the province of Tet, the Islamic presence is small, not very significant, although outwardly we see mosques popping up everywhere in Mozambique. Islamism is strongest on the coast of Mozambique and in the northern part. I watch with concern because, at the moment, as Mozambique is facing an insurgency in the north, in the province of Cabo Delgado, which also affects the neighboring provinces with an Islamic character. However, there are other interests from a political, economic and social point of view that take advantage of the religious matrix and to defend the interests and fight the Mozambican state and also the Islamic communities. But I think there is an effort by the church to dialogue with Muslims. From the point of view of religious leaders, there is an open condemnation of the insurgency in Mozambique and an appeal that there is an understanding that this war ends. There is no uniformity of the Catholic Church and Christianity in Africa because this is the fruit of evangelization of Africa. The evangelization was done by different faiths and different origins of the church. There are differences of expression between the church of the English-speaking world of East Africa and the Catholic church, for example. Would you agree with the statement that the future of Christianity is in Africa? Not only in Africa, but I think that Africa will make an even greater contribution to the Church, not only from the numerical point of view, in the number of Catholics, but also in the way of living the faith and communicating it. While there is growing concern that the assault by Islamic extremists in northern Mozambique will expand, in the little Baroma community, a group of nuns are working hard with locals to restore not only the Church, but also the faith.
so I joined the community in 2018 for a sabbatical year that it's a year of biblical formation and mission and then I received uh, this calling to join the religious life and the missionary life so I've been in the community since there so it's been five years now but I just uh, made my first vow so I am a nun a really new <laughs> nun for three months I'm Sister Mary Sarah I'm from the Seeds of the Word community <laughs> a Catholic community that is uh, was invited to by our bishop uh, in Mozambique, in the Tete, to uh, make this beautiful place reborn again. All this beauty, all this amazing beauty in, um, in the middle of nowhere, how can I say? Um, but at the same time, I think the people, because this is, this is theirs. So I think it's fair for us as church to give them back all this beauty and all the dignity because when it was first built um, there was no cameras, no pictures, no um, social media so people come and, take and, and, and spread this so it was built for them. This is a wonderful sanctuary dedicated to Saint Joseph and it was built in 1885 by the Jesuits. It's the biggest sanctuary of Africa. It's very important as presence. And since uh, 50 years, uh, that was a little bit, that uh, uh, was not well taken care of. And now we, we are rebuilding everything. First the, the walls and then the souls. <laughs> when we, we arrived, we saw the walls very, very, um, how can you say, uh, with names on it. So the first thing we, we did was to cover it. Um, so I think it was forsaken. The missionaries that, that, that had to, to run out because of, of Mozambique history, of, of fighting, of revolution. So it, it was forsaken. So I think it, it was because of that that was destroyed. We, we are helping to restore the, the beauty and the images. So when we first arrived, we took uh, all the images down to restore them. They were very dirty, they were broken. So we started with, with, with the images, the, the statues. So we are, we are painting and restoring, and basically painting um, as it was before. We have no intention to, to change the, the history of this place, but we have to, um, to, to give back what, as it was before. Every day Mass, and we have now all celebrations, uh, morning prayers and evening prayers. And we, have, we are a community, consecrated life community. We have brothers and sisters that live here. And uh, we pray and we work to rebuild all this place and, and to make it, make it beautiful again. This uh, belongs to the humanity. It's not only a place to tete, but it's a sanctuary dedicated to St. Joseph. Everybody can help us to rebuild it. It's such a huge uh, uh, sanctuary. We need help for sure. 
this community is very alive. So um, we have on Sundays, people are here always. Um, they come to our house, they talk to us. So, um, and also there are a lot of local people working on this. So we are not alone doing this work, but it's been, um, it, it, it were already started before we arrived. Our first mission is to make the Word of God accessible to everyone. And we do this in many ways. For uh, example, the sabbatical year, that is this period of nine months that people come and um, study with us, live our life with us, just to taste a missionary life. This work of buildings, it, it's one way because um, making this accessible again, the Word of God is spread. So it's part of, of, of our charism and to, to make the Word of God accessible to all of all, all people, from the kids to the adults to the young people, everyone. Churches have a vital role to play in healing wounds and promoting a just peace for the world. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Next week, we will be visiting Nollywood. I'm sure you've all heard of Hollywood and Bollywood. Well, we go to Nollywood in Nigeria and ask whether African artists are being hard done by on the international stage. Until then, catch us on any of the social media networks that you see on the screen. For myself and the team, until next week, goodbye.